of our mini-series called Year of the Bible. It's just a little four-week series, but it's a great way for us to start our year. And really what we're looking at is the fact that the Word of God is what it says it is, a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. It's a guide for our lives. And so we're kind of going, man, we're going to commit ourselves this year, in 2024, to building on the Word of God. Last week, we talked about the fact that you can trust your Bible. You can trust the scriptures. We dealt with some of the common objections uh, that people have to the reliability of scripture. If you missed that message and you want to listen to it, you can. You can get on our podcast. Go search Finish Church Liberty Hill on Spotify. You can hear that. But we dealt with the fact there are people out there, critics and skeptics, who say that Bible can't be trusted. I think it can be trusted. I gave you some good reasons why last week. And this week, now that we know we can trust it, we're going to look at how God speaks to us through it. We're going to look at the power of the word itself and then really a secret weapon when it comes to reading the Word of God, and that's the Holy Spirit. So getting into it today, there's a lot of important verses in the Bible. Many of you know many. You have, have them memorized. You know, we're helping our kids memorize Scripture right now back there in Vintage Kids. But I, one of the most important verses might be a verse in the Bible that talks about the Bible. It says this in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive. Say alive. All right, just making sure you are. Okay, the word of God is alive and powerful, and it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, uh uh-oh, watch out, our innermost thoughts and desires, which, by the way, can be a little scary. Anybody want all of your innermost thoughts and desires exposed? It's like, woo, I don't know about that, Pastor Nate. That sounds a little uncomfortable. But here's, I got to tell you, I find it personally reassuring that the God who made me who already knows all those things anyway, by the way, has given me his word, not just for me to read, but so that it can read me and help me become more like Jesus, which is the point of all of this. And so as we get into this, this is the function of God's word. It's alive, it is active, and it is powerful, and it's available for you. Let's take a look quickly today at a few ways that the Bible speaks to us. How does the Bible speak to us? Number one, the Bible is, you write this down, ultimate truth, ultimate truth. Right, we've, we've used this scripture many times and we're gonna use it many times again. But in John 17, beginning in verse 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples and here's what he prays. He says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. You wanna know what truth is? Right there, it is the word of God. Just as you, as you have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. There it is again. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Now, if you've been coming here for just even a few weeks, this concept isn't new for you. Listen, we live in a world full of shifting, sinking sands, and so we have to have something, a firm foundation to build our lives on, and we believe that is God's word. You're like, why do you talk about this so much? Because there's a world that is vying for your affection, your attention, and maybe more importantly, your mindset, your worldview, that wants you to see the world a specific way. All the while, God's word is saying, actually, I can tell you, if you'll just read all about what is true, about creation, about sin, about salvation, about identity. All of this stuff starts with the word of God. And that's why Jesus says, sanctify them with your word, which is truth. Now beyond that, we see a few more things going on here in this scripture. Jesus, it says that he is praying for you and me. Did you see what it says? I'm praying not only for the disciples. 
These guys hanging out with me now. But I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That means at that time, even 2,000 years ago, before you were born or sitting in the seat you're sitting in today, Jesus was praying for you. That is good news. That is comforting news. By the way, the Bible tells us that he sits at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. He is still praying for you and me right now. Again, that's good news. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time praying to Jesus, and I forget sometimes that Jesus is praying for me. How encouraging is that to know that even, man, when you're having your worst day, and, oh, I'm downcast, oh, my soul, and you can't even bring yourself to pray for yourself, but Jesus is praying for you. Friends, this is a good and reliable and trustworthy word, and you can build your life on it. Jesus is praying for me. Another thing that we see in this scripture is that he is sending us into the world, which, by the way, is why he's praying so intently for us. He's like, I know where they're going. It's going to be a little rough out there, so I'm praying for them. This is like he's sending us out into the lion's den. You know, the Old Testament is the story of Daniel. He gets thrown into the lion's den, and, of course, he doesn't want to go in the lion's den. He'd like for God to protect him and preserve him and redeem him and all that. But God, God didn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He delivered Daniel in the lion's den. You see, you could go in that place and still not be eaten. And that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is praying for us. you got to go into the world but be protected by the Holy Spirit, by my truth. And I don't know if you know this, but when we go into the world, There is no such thing as neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Here's the deal. You are either influencing or you are being influenced. And there is billions and billions and billions of dollars being spent to influence you, to change how you think, to change how you see the world, to get you to think, believe, do, buy certain things. There is no middle ground. There is no, you know this if you're in business, either you're growing or you are dying. There's no stay the same. We're either taking ground or we're losing ground, right? We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. There is no middle ground. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're going into the world. Guess what? Not to be influenced, but to do the influencing. And here's a little small test where you can find out on which side of that you're on. Are you influencing people? If the answer is no, even if you don't think so, you're the one being influenced. Now, of course, it's a dichotomy and we live where both are happening all the time. But man, if we're only being influenced, and we have no focus on doing the influencing, we're in trouble. I was talking with someone the other day, and they were saying, made a comment to me about, well, I didn't mean to do this. I said, well, I know, but you didn't mean not to do it. You know, you parent your kids, are like, I didn't mean to punch them in the face. I know, but you didn't mean not to, so you did. If you meant not to throw a punch, you would have not thrown the punch, right? That kind of stuff happens. In this world, we have to not only not mean to fall into traps. I didn't mean to get influenced by, I know, but you didn't mean to be doing the influencing, so you got influenced. You guys with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. All right, let's keep going. Now, here's some good news. Knowing the truth of God's word actually affords us some crucial protection. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4.14. He says this, then, after you know the truth, after you've engaged the truth, after you believe your Bible over and above every lying politician that this world has to throw at you, after that, then... We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. How many have ever heard a lie so clever it sounded true? My wife's getting nervous because she's like, what's he going to say next? I'll let you fill in the blanks. But we know that the world is full of lies they sell us and, oh, they're so clever about it. They tell us and it sounds so, oh, that starts to sound right until you compare it to God's word. 
Maybe I can't just be whatever I want to be. No, you can't. You're what God made you. Maybe the world did just come out of nowhere. No, it didn't. It came when God said, let there be. There is truth. It's found in God's word. And when we anchor and root ourselves there, we won't be blown around. By the way, by Christian teachers who teach crazy stuff, you go, okay, well, what, what does the Bible say? Because here's the thing. God has revealed everything he needs to reveal. Now, is he speaking new things in a new way? Yes, but never in contradiction with the word of God. More on that in just a moment. But here's, here's, here's the thing. Let me, listen to me carefully here. You cannot know truth just from learning text. Do you know this? You can read the text of the Bible and still not actually know truth. The text itself is text. But what did it say a minute ago? It's alive. How does that happen? By the power of the Spirit. I know so many people, and I talked about this last week, so I won't believe it, but that can read the text and know the text, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know the power of God. The text itself is not truth, but the text, when in, inspired and infused by the Holy Spirit and found in the person of Jesus, comes to life and is able to separate every part of you so that God can deal with you and me. It is one thing to know the word of God. It's another thing to know the God of the word. And that is our call as Christians. Now, something else that we learn from the early verses of the Gospel of John, and I have used this verse a few times recently. It just keeps coming back up. I don't know, maybe some of us still don't believe it, so we need to hear it. But, but by the way, every word of God from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation is the word of God, and it's all about the person of Jesus. So John 1.14 says, So the word became human and made his home among us. That is Jesus. That's who he is. So when we talk about the word, when I use the phrase, the word, I'm usually referring to one of like maybe three different things. We could be talking about the text that you read. We could be talking about the person of Jesus. We could be talking about something, another Greek word for the word called rhema, which is this sort of revelation, this inspiration, this timely application. That is the word when it comes to life. So there's the text, the logos. There's the person of Jesus. And then there's the spirit-infused rhema that gives life and revelation, and inspiration, and application for you and how you live. Now listen, I love the scriptures. I'm a Bible nerd. I love to get in and parse all the, the individual words and what did it mean in the original languages. And I promise you I've wasted so much time on one Greek participle because it just was interesting to me. But at the end of the day, we have to be careful not to separate the text on the page from the person of Jesus. Otherwise, we miss it all. We miss it all. So with that, we've got to be careful. By the way, keep in mind about this. I shared a little bit about this when I talked about the shepherds a few weeks ago during an Advent series. But Jesus did not first and primarily come for the intellectuals. He didn't come to religious elite. That's not who he came to, to meet with first. When God announced through those angels in the sky, he's talking to shepherds. And Jesus is calling fishermen. Ordinary people. That's the point. Ordinary people. Outcasts. Ordinary, not those in high places. He didn't come for the Bible scholars first. Matter of fact, that's who he was the hardest on, the Pharisees. Jesus had, woo, some hard stuff to say to all the Bible scholars of his day. To everybody else, he said, hey, come and follow me. We're gonna go do some stuff. We're gonna have some fun together. Come watch how I live, hear what I have to say, and do as I do. 
And so he does, and he goes and calls all these ordinary people. I know some of y'all are extraordinary, but most of us in this room today are ordinary people. That's the kind of people that God is calling. He said, come and follow me. Come do what I do. So they did, and so they go, and amazing things start to happen. And then after three years of following Jesus around, seeing all these miracles, watching him heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make food appear, all this crazy stuff. And then he says something that might have been the most perplexing thing he ever said among a category of perplexing things, by the way, an entire encyclopedia of perplexing things. But then he says, hey, by the way, it's best for you if I go away. I'm sorry, what? You said come and follow. Now you're leaving? It's like if my wife, we've been together for many, many years, if she came to me and said this morning, hey, I know this is going to be hard for you to understand. It's actually best for you if I leave. I say pump the brakes on that. You don't know what's best for me. You better stay right here. But this is what, this is what Jesus is doing. He's come to his disciples who said, come follow. And they did. And he's saying, now I got to go. And it's actually best for you. Why? Here's what he says. Because if I don't, the advocate, the paraclete, the Greek word there, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. Now think for a moment. Just sort of let yourself feel an emotion. I know sometimes when I'm talking, you're listening to me, you're feeling them up. They're not connected. Just connect this for a second. You're walking with Jesus for three years. And then he says, peace out. Oh, and it's better for you for me to leave. They don't know what's coming. We get the benefit of looking at everything through hindsight. We've already read the book of Acts. We know there's going to be fire dancing on their heads and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. They didn't know any of that was coming yet. What do you mean it's better? Of course, they're asking. Great question you should ask. Often in life, three little letters. Why? Why? Well, he told them. Because if I go... I'll send the Holy Spirit. And this is still how the word of God speaks to us. Number three, through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Now, quickly, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever prayed a prayer and said, God, talk to me about blank. I need to hear from you about this. I need to see your guidance here, right? We pray those kinds of prayers. I've told this story before, but I'll say it again. I haven't always been a Bible nerd. In fact, when I was growing up, I didn't even really like to read all that much. It was like boring. I wanted to be active. Let me go do something. Reading, I can read later, right? But I remember distinctly one day I'm mowing my yard on the side of my house. I've been praying for a while, asking God for a really specific answer to a specific question. And I'm just praying, God, when are you going to talk to me about this? When are you going to answer this question? Come on. I've been fasting too. Oh, no answer, no answer. And finally, God speaks to me and he says, you do not care about a word from me. Excuse me? All I want is to hear from you. Yeah, but I've given you 66 books and letters full of words from me, and you don't even bother to read them. Oh, okay. Now I knew, I knew the Holy Spirit, and I had heard the voice of God before. Speak to me. I'm like, why won't you talk to me? The truth is, I wanted the easy word. I don't want to have to mine for it. But what does he say? Seek, and you will find knock, the door will be open. Ask, it'll be. I wasn't seeking. The Bible tells in the book of Proverbs, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. How about you come search? He said, I have your word, but it's already been written. Start reading. And really it's a pivotal point in my life where I went, okay, so if I want a word from God, I better get into the word from God, into the Bible. Now listen, you can read the word apart from God, and you can get something out of it. 
you can learn some principles, you can learn some history, you can actually fill yourself up with knowledge and information. But if you really want to learn how to hear from God, we have to be people who are of the word and of the spirit. This is where the power happens. This is where the magic happens. Got any old, old school NCAA football players in here? I'm talking about the, the game. Madden, maybe, that's the new school. You know when you got to do that kickoff and you got to get it just right? Bing. Too far to the left? Too far to the right? Short right. This is the word and the spirit comes together. That's the power band. That's where it all happens. That's where the magic happens, baby. In other words, what you should be doing if you need a word from God is you should be reading your Bible early and often and inviting the Holy Spirit into that reading time. Hey, I know you wrote all this stuff. Help me know what it's saying to me. If you don't say that prayer, you're just missing out. I'm not going to name call you, but like, you're missing out. When you open the Bible, if you don't go, God, Spirit of God, come speak to me through this. You're missing something. You can read your word on your own, or you can read it with the one who inspired it. Doing that is key to moving from just getting information to gaining revelation. This is why we have to approach the scriptures we have with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And again, I love to parse all the stuff. I'm so weird, I actually like to argue with people over theology. Somehow it's fun for me. I don't know why. My wife says I'm dysfunctional. I like to figure out all the little mysteries. I love when people ask me, what does this mean? And I've studied it before. I'm like, ooh, let me tell you a theory on that. It's so much fun. But listen, no matter how much of a Bible scholar you may think you are, and some of you may have degrees, I don't know, have friends with doctorates and multiples and all this, you'll never be the Bible scholar that the Apostle Paul was. You never will be. And you want to know what Paul said talking about it? 2 Corinthians 3, 6, he said, watch out, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, is he saying don't read the Bible to kill you? Absolutely not. He's saying read it with the spirit. As we read it with the spirit, it all comes together. And remember, just like the perfect kick on your little football game, that's where the power is. That's where the magic happens, right there. Word, spirit, word, spirit. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of Christians that are just over here. Sola Scriptura, read it, know it all, memorize it. Great. Bring the Spirit into it. There's people over here where I was. Just give me a word. I don't have time to read. I just need to hear from heaven. Come on, Holy Ghost, tell me something. He's saying, no, 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 bring these together. Ditch that leads to death. Ditch that leads to death. Honestly, it does. God is saying, I have both of these things for you. Jesus said, what do you say? We met the woman at the well. Time's coming. True worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth, the coming together of the truth and the spirit. That's what it's all about. So here's a question for you. I talked to you about influencing. God has called us into the world, in it, not of it, but he's called us to be influencers, not the ones who are being influenced. But here's a question for you. Have you ever like, found yourself in a situation where you were lacking a little confidence or boldness, maybe in standing up for Christ? Maybe you're like, I know why God might use that person, but God would never use me disqualify yourself. Oh, I can't. I, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I haven't this. I don't that. Oh, I did this. If they only knew, they wouldn't listen to me anyway. Newsflash, that's everybody. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Have you ever felt that way before? 
Maybe you're in a place where you lack boldness or you're even ashamed of Christ and you're thinking, man, God will never use me. Did you know that the apostle Peter, one of Jesus's closest three friends and disciples who he would build the church on, on the worst day of Jesus's life when he's getting dragged away and being arrested and about to be executed on a Roman cross. Three times they asked him, a little girl, do you know, I think I've seen you with them. I don't even know the man. He, de- he denies him. I don't even know who he is. And yet, 50 days later, after Jesus is resurrected, after he has come and restored Peter, we find Peter sharing the message of the gospel boldly to thousands of people, giving one of the greatest sermons that's ever been given. And here's the response from the onlookers of what's going on in the life of Peter and James and John. Look at Acts 4.13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter. Peter, who was scared to admit to a teenage girl that he even knew who Jesus was. 50 days before. I would have disqualified it. By the way, if you come up to me and you say, I don't believe in Jesus, now give me the microphone. You ain't getting my mic. I'll disqualify you for that. Jesus came and said, if you love me, go feed my sheep. Okay, I will. Now he's out here. Watch what it says. They were so amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, you ready for this? Ordinary men with no special training. Thank Jesus for that. That means you too. Being ordinary with no special training under the power of the Holy Spirit can speak with boldness and influence the world around you. But maybe the most important thing right here says this. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I love knowing the Bible. I love knowing mysteries. I love putting puzzles together. It's fun when people ask me questions and I have the answer to it because I'm so smart. You know what I really Really, really, at the end of the day, I want people to be around me and go, man, I think he's been with Jesus. I mean, imagine if every person in this room, just look around for a second. This isn't a huge crowd, but it's not small either. What if every one of you this week, someone who encountered you went, I think that person's been with Jesus. Man, what would that do? What would that be like? Oh, that person's been with Jesus. That's the best thing that we can offer the world around us is to be people, not who have all the answers, not who have it all figured out, not who've done everything right, not who've never screwed up, not who've never even said, oh, I don't even know Jesus. I'm not a Christian. You didn't see me at that place. But someone who comes back like Peter did and says, yes, I do love you. You know what happened after Peter on the day of Pentecost got filled with the Holy Spirit? It wasn't a different Peter. It was a different power. Still the same Peter. He's still bullheaded. Kind of reminds me of myself. My wife calls me Ferdinand because I'm like a bull. I just walk in and bump stuff and move things around. I don't even know what's happening. Moving too fast. I wear a size 14 shoe, which means my feet get to the next zip code before I do sometimes. I trip over stuff, knock things over. Peter's kind of that way. You read about it, he has these fights with Paul, and he didn't have it all right. Peter was still a racist, by the way, at this point in time. It's a whole other story for another time. But Paul has to come and go, hey, dude, you're being a racist against all these Gentiles. You need to cut it out. They're going at it. He's not perfect. Same Peter, different power. The Spirit of God had come over him, and he's now preaching the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, and thousands are coming to know Jesus. Before I leave today, I want to show you three important ways that all this happens. Because the truth is, there should be no separation between the Word and the Spirit. I want to take a few minutes to look at the works of the Spirit. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. 
the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We already talked about how Jesus said it'd be better for him to go so the Holy Spirit could come. Now watch what he says here in John 14, 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all, say all, teach you all things. Like two of y'all said the word all. How about all say all? Hey, there we go. Teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Notice what it says here. He will bring to remembrance. This is the job of the Holy Spirit, to remind you and I about the word of God, what the word says. By the way, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this. First of all, the Holy Spirit will never say or do something that contradicts the word of God. He will never come and issue a teaching that's in conflict with the teaching of Jesus. So you start hearing some wild teaching? Let me tell you a good grid. Did Jesus teach it? Did Jesus do it? Did the apostles teach it? Did the apostles do it? If the answer is no, I'm cautious. It's just me. Now they did a lot of wild stuff. The door's pretty wide open here for a lot of moves of God. But that, that's where I want to go. Because I know the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word. Also, by the way, I'll just help you with life here for a second. You can't remember something you didn't already know. You can't remember something you read if you never read it right? That's what remembering is. It's recalling. It's remembering. It's what the Holy Spirit does. This should actually be really good news to those of you who struggle to read the Bible because it's confusing. I understand that life. When I was young, I would read, and I, as soon as I would get past an interesting story, i get really confused. I don't know what this is about. I'm not reading this anymore. What's so beautiful is that if you just read it, just get it inside of you, then the Holy Spirit can come and bring to remembrance and that which confused you in one season will be life-giving to you and everybody around you in the next season. Because the Holy Spirit will make the word. It was just the text. It just it confused you. You didn't even know what it meant until the Spirit of God comes and says, oh, I'm gonna remind you of this and I'm gonna put life and revelation and rhema on it. It's gonna be useful for you or maybe for somebody else. You sit across somebody from coffee and they're talking about a situation. You're like, I have no idea what to say. And then all of a sudden, I think the Bible says, I was praying for someone after first service. I hadn't thought about the scripture in weeks, haven't read it in weeks. And as soon as I'm praying for him, I'm hearing about all this ups and downs and crazy stuff. And the Lord said, oh, I love to make crooked paths straight. You know where that came from? The Holy Spirit reminded me of what I read in the Bible. I said to him, I said, man, I'm so excited for you because God is making your crooked path straight. When you look back right now, you see a lot of crookedness. What you're going to see is a straight line that leads you to Jesus. And that wasn't some pithy, clever thought that I came up with. The Holy Spirit just reminded me what the Word says. It's so beautiful. Read it. I don't care if it confuses you. Read it anyway, and then let the Lord bring it to life later. Five, number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Again, we saw this with Peter. Same Peter, different power. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, because I'm a nerd, the verb tense of the word filled right there represents a present and continuous active filling. In other words, you could actually read this and write this and be correct to say, be continually ongoing filled with the Spirit. God will continually and actively give us the grace and the benefit and the power of his presence to minister love and grace and healing and wholeness to our own hearts so that we can give that away to other people. We have to be people who are constantly saying, fill me up, fill me up. Paul again shares some more insights. By the way, when you approach the Holy Spirit and you put your hands out like this, he can put a gift. How many got a Christmas gift? 
Hopefully all of you did. If you didn't come see me, I'll give you something. The Holy Spirit loves to give gifts and look at what they are. 1 Corinthians 12, seven says this. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. That's what they're for. If you're confused what they're for, so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. How many can use a little healing? God wants to give a gift of healing to some of you. You don't even know it yet. Ask for it. See if he has it for you. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You don't know what the point is? It's a gift. I'm just curious. Do any of you still have a gift with your name on it under the tree and you just thought, I'm not opening that. That might be bad news for me. That could be something scary. That could be something that might hurt me. Please. There's a reason that God calls them gifts. They're good things. They're good things from a good God for you. But of course, the greatest gift the Holy Spirit gives us, number three, he gives us life. You know, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and even abundant life. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I'm just curious if you could use some of this. Love, yeah, I need that. Joy, oh, I could use a lot more of that. Peace, definitely. Patience, I need all of these. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Come on, New Year's resolutions. Who could use some self-control? This is a fruit of the Spirit of God. We tap in, Holy Spirit, help me, fill me, make the word come to life for me. Self-control can show up in your life. You feeling tired? Feeling empty? Challenges of the day? Work? New year? Woo! Took a breath. Now I got all these new goals. I just got all this new stuff for my boss, and I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to do it. You got all these things in front of your face. Just like Peter. Same person, different power. That's what we all need. And what do you have to do to experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Just ask. Just ask. It's that simple. You don't have to go jump through a bunch of hoops. Deanna told us earlier she's doing 75 hard. God bless your ministry. But you don't have to do that to get filled with the Spirit. You just have to ask. You just have to ask. I quoted it in part a minute ago, but let me read it for you. Luke 11, 9 and 10. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. This is speaking about the gifts of God. This is speaking about the Holy Spirit Come and saying, God, what do you have for me? And Jesus goes in other places and tells, tells us, people think the Holy Spirit's gonna be like a snake or a scorpion. No, it's not. It's like a good gift because your Father loves you. He gives you good things. It's nothing to be afraid of. As we enter into these next three days of fasting and praying, I wanna invite you to participate in some kind of way. I wanna encourage you. Don't just come at it alone. And what I mean by that is don't just come at it with your own mind and say, well, this is what I hope for. Maybe you already wrote these down or maybe you got another blank left or the still the back. But Holy Spirit, what should I be believing for? What do you wanna do in my life this year? 
I want to pray with that. You know, some people have said that praying is not about bending God to our will, but bending us towards his will. Maybe ask, what do you have for me? I want to pray for that to come to pass in my life this year. Before you leave, please fill these out. Drop them in the containers with the hosts. If you come back, they're not there. There's a little silver drop box, stick them in there. I want to pray and believe with you. But I'm going to tell you right now, before we leave today, some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this isn't scary. Maybe you came from an environment. There's always different kind of people in the room. There's like, there's the excited, there's the cautious, there's the concerned, like, whoo, what's about to happen? Many of you need to be filled with the Spirit. You can't do what God is calling you to do this year on your own. You need a refilling. You need God's mind. You need God's heart. You need the new power that Peter had. So before we leave today, myself and a few others, I'm gonna hang out right here in the front. I'm not gonna be in the guest suite today. There's some other great people that love to meet you and get a gift for you. But if that's you, I need to be, I don't want to take another day into 2024 without being filled with the Spirit. I want to pray for you. My wife will be here. Stacy, some others will be, we'll pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you to be filled with the Spirit and to fall in love with the Word. And when both of those things happen, you watch. There's nothing, there's nothing. There is nothing that God can't do through you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is truth and that you use it to sanctify us and to make us holy. Lord, I thank you that you have sent your spirit. Oh, what a good gift. Hard to figure out why you would leave and something could be better until we experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would just move and do what you do in this place, that you would put your finger on hearts, Lord. Maybe there's some here today who are far from you, don't even know you. If that's you in this room when the service is over, we'll be available to pray for you as well, just to say yes to Jesus, if that's the step you need to take. For others of you, you've said yes to Jesus, but you've been over here just in the text, or maybe just said yes and you've been doing your own thing, and you need a new power. Lord, I pray for those people that you would, again, put your finger on their hearts. Lord, and don't let them leave here today without receiving prayer to be filled. It's not mystical or magical or crazy. It's just your word. You said ask and you will receive. So Lord, I ask that those who are in need become aware of their need and they would ask and receive. And Lord, for our church over these next three days, as we fast and pray and seek you, God, would you speak to us? Lord, I pray for Pastor Stephen. Lord, I found her. Pray for Pastor Keegan over in Belton. Lord, I pray for all of our leaders in all three churches. God, would you speak to us? Lord, those in our churches who are in need of you, would you speak to them? God, those in our communities who are far from you, would you begin to compel and call them? Lord, I pray that during this time, as we sacrifice something to pursue you, God, that you would meet us and give us all that we need to follow you well and to represent you well and to give you away to a lost and dying world around us. In Jesus' name, I ask all these things. Everybody said, amen. Stacy, would you come? Thank you for listening to this message. You can stay connected with us at Vintage.Church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. At Vintage, we believe church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Liberty Hill area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service time, and plan your visit by visiting Vintage.Church slash Liberty Hill. We hope to see you soon.